Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. This week's Shabbat message is from the book of Esther. Feel free to listen along and enjoy. Feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you can find archived messages as well as links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zeal. Oh, oh, zeal. All right, we're gonna read Esther today. Maybe not all of it. We'll see how far we get. We'll go through it, read it, we'll talk about it, and uh, go from there. Uh, depending on how you like to sort out the calendar, uh, Purim is either next week or it was last month. Either way, I think it's uh, good that we don't uh, gloss over gloss over it, and so um, it's an amazing story. It's in the Bible, obviously, so it's something we should read and pay attention to and uh, learn from and glean from, so we will read from it. And uh, I like, too, how um, it's not clean, in a sense, if you know what I mean. It's, um, there's a lot of gray area they have to go through and sort through. First off, why are they still there? Why didn't they leave? You know, for one thing, because the exiles had, a lot of the exiles had already returned um, from, from Babylon, um, and they're still there. A lot of them still there. Um, maybe they couldn't. I don't know. It's interesting. And, um, and then you, you, you know, God preserves his people through, through Esther, through Mordecai, and through what they did. And uh, so it's a pretty interesting story. So we'll go through, we'll read it. I don't know, well, I don't know if we'll get through the whole thing. It's, it's a decent amount. Um, so maybe it'll be to be continued. So depending on what month you think it is, and depending on what day of the month you think it is, uh, the way I'm going at it, Esther, uh, 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 or Purim, would be, uh, and it depends on if you think it's one or two days, <laughs> Esther will, or Purim will be Friday or Saturday next week. So I figured it'd be good to read it now. So, all right, uh, let's pray and then we'll read. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Shabbat. I thank you for this time to gather, uh, to learn from your word, to study, to gather, and to um, you know be nourished from your word, to have community uh, that, you know, I don't know, maybe just like Esther and Mordecai are still in the exile and they were trying to sort their way through and somehow navigate, you know, muddy waters. We kind of are having to do the same thing. And so, I don't know, maybe we can draw strength and strength and insight and uh, faith out of that. So I just ask that you would bless, uh, that you would use your word in us and uh, that we would uh, live for you. Amen. All right. So Esther chapter one. Now it came to pass in the days of Asherus. This is Asherus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia. 
over a hundred and seven and twenty provinces. That in those days, when the king Asherah sat on the throne in his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, Media, <laughs> Media, I don't know, the nobles and the princes and the provinces being before him. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days. And when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in the Shushan, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white, green, and blue hangings, fastened with cords of fine linen and purple, to silver rings and pillars of marble. Their beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law, none did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Also Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Asherus. Verse 10. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahuman, Bistha, Harborah, Bigtha, and Abigatha, Zethar, and Caracas, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Asherus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the royal crown to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But Queen Vashti refused to come to the king's command by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all of the, that knew the law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karashena, and Shethar, and Admathar, and Tar- Tarshish, Merez, Marasena, and Manuken, the seven princes of P- Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, and which sat the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto Queen Vashti according to the law? Because she hath not performed by the commandment of the king Asherus by the chamberlains. And Manuka answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but to all the provinces and to all the people that are in all the provinces of king Asherus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes, when it shall be reported. The king Asherus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought before him, but she came not. Likewise, so the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all all the king's princes, We've heard the, the deed of the queen. Thus there arise too much contempt and wrath. For it pleased the king. Uh, if it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the law of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not all altered, that Vashti come no more before King Asherus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. When the king's decree, which, she, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both great and small. And the same pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Manukum, for he sent letters unto all the king's provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. So they were worried about dissent in the homes. <laughs> if the queen doesn't obey, well, what will all the wives do? So they wanted to stamp that out. <laughs> uh. But I think uh, uh, an important um, principle, though, 
So the reason Vashti didn't respect the king is because the king was not a good leader and he was unreasonable. And so she lost respect for him, and rightfully so. Uh, and so if, if a husband or a leader conducts himself properly or herself properly, respect will be voluntary and you will work together in a task. And that's how a home should be, not just being like, you won't come here now and make my sandwich, you know. That, that doesn't work very well, <laughs> as most husbands probably know. So, All right, chapter 2. After these things, when the wrath of King Ashtoreth was suspended, he remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servant that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, uh, and let the king appoint officers in all the province of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan, the palace, to the house of the women, under the custody, under the custody of, oh, however you say his name, Hege, 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 the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things be, let their things for purification be given to them. And let the maiden, which pleases the king, be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and did, and he did so. Now in Shushan, the palace, uh, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Yair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jehoiakim, uh, or Je Jeconia, Jeconia, king of Judah, who uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. Uh, for she had neither father nor mother. The maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So he's taken her in after the exile um, out of Babylon because... You know, who knows what happened. Lots of people died, killed. It was, it was a disaster. So, so he brings her in. Eight. So it came to pass, when uh, the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together into Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also under the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for purification with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens, uh, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids under the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. So for whatever reason, she finds favor with the head, head guy in the palace there. And um, he, she hides her, uh, her ethnicity, 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 because uh, Mordecai says to, which is interesting. You know, this is where it's like, you know, you get this creep of a king, you get, send your, whatever she would be, niece, cousin, in, and I don't know. It's, this is where it gets weird, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Somehow God still works through it all. So... Uh, but, uh, 11. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now, when every maid's turn was come to go into King Asherah's, that uh, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purification accomplished, to wit, six months with oil and mirth, and six months of sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. The, the, then thus came every maiden unto the king. And whatsoever she desired was given unto her to go 
with her out of the house of the women into the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women to the custody of Shagaza, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. And she came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, delighted in her, and that she were called by name. So basically, you know, this is not politically correct. So we kind of, they all come into the king, spend a night with the king. We all know what happens there. But then they go into the, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, they're concubines after that. Basically, they're not, they don't have the status of a wife, but they are essentially proper, property of the king. And they go and they live there. And um, kind of like, I mean, Solomon had how many? 300 or something? How much? What's that? A bunch. Yeah, Solomon had a bunch. So this was a rampant practice, unfortunately. So now when, uh, but uh, 15, now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in under the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them and looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto the king, Asherus, under his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month of Tabeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So there we go. She becomes queen, finds favor with her, uh, with the king. 18. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release of the province and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred, nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. In those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Big Thran, and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hand on King Asherus. Um, so when it says here that uh, Mordecai sat in the gate, like these were leaders uh, with, with, within the community. Like to sit in the, to sit in the gate um, was where the leaders hung out, basically. And um, that's where business was conducted, laws and deals were dealt with, and all kinds of stuff. So it was, it was, it's kind of like the town hall, essentially, you know. So uh, these two guys are angry with the king. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out, and therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. So that's an important note to point, because that uh, comes up later. Basically, they, they were mad with the king, wanted to kill him, and that's how kingdoms get overthrown and somebody new comes on into power. Mordecai heard about it and informed. He had an inside connection with uh, Esther. Esther tells the king, king saved, they hang the bad guys, it's written down. Chapter 3. After these things, did King Asherus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, uh, and advance him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him? And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and, re did, and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not down, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, he hearkened not unto them. And they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. 
And when Haman saw that Mordechai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he uh, thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai all alone, for they had shown him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Asherah, even the people of Mordecai. So, uh, there's debate. Not, I don't know if there's debate. It's probably too strong of a word. But some people say, oh, righteous Mordecai, he wouldn't bow before anybody. Which probably wasn't true. He probably bowed before a lot of people and probably especially before the king. But a, a good, more likely the reason he didn't bow before Haman was because Ma, Haman was an Agite, which, I'm going to butcher this, which I think was from either Ishmael or Esau. So he was an ancient enemy of the Israelites. And he, he wasn't going to bow down before one of their ancient uh, enemies that did so much evil to their people. And so that's why it brings up that he says uh, in verse 4, then he had told them that he was a Jew. In other words, I'm a Jew, I'm not bound down to you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so verse 7. In the first month, that is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Asherah, they cast Pur, that is the lot. Uh, before Haman, from day to day, and from month to month, to the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar. Oh, wait a minute. I skipped a whole bunch, didn't I? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, okay, eight. And Haman said unto King Asherah, There is a certain people, scattered abroad, and dispersed among the people in all the providence of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all the people, from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it's not in the king's profit to suffer them. I think this verse is incredibly prophetic because this is kind of the pattern of, I believe, the beginning of persecution of God's people wherever they end up being dispersed because they don't quite fit in and they don't quite reverence the king of the land and they follow a different set of laws that they believe are, are, that trump whatever the law of the land is and they're scattered in the mixed in. And so Haman sees this and he says, you know, King Asherah, there's these people that are all spread in and amongst, and they're not following the, the party line. So we got to snuff this out. So, 9. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I'll pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasury. So he's saying, let them be wiped out, and I'll even pay to have them have it taken care of. And the king took his ring from his hand, and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, and the people also, to do with them as it seems good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors, that there over every province and to the rulers of the people of every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, in the name of King Asherah was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's province to destroy, to, destroy, to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. So in one year's time, they were to wipe them all out in one day. So, 14, the copy of the writings for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. Then the post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But 
the city Shushan was perplexed. So keep in mind, too, this wasn't just in Shushan proper, in the king's area where this was going to take place. This was, this was the entire kingdom, which would essentially include where all Jewish people practically were for all intents and purposes. And so, you know, it's interesting that, yeah, they've come back from the exile, but then they have this decree to wipe everybody out, but then God uses Esther and Mordecai to kind of stem that tide. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's a fascinating thing. Um, so chapter four, we'll keep going here. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, Judah. But there's a lot of specificity to just Jews, so what time period is this? It's after the... We're still talking about Israel as a whole. Right. Specifically just we're dealing with Jews from the tribe. Right, this is after the Babylonian exile. So the northern kingdom's been taken away, and then the southern kingdom's been brought... The 12 or the 10. Just, just... The southern tribes. Yeah, the southern tribes, basically which consists of what they call Judah, the southern kingdom, which is Benjamin, Judah, and some Levite, Levites, basically. And, and some others that were kind of tr- sprinkled in with them as well. But for all intents and purposes, it was the southern kingdom, Judah, is essentially what was going on. Yes? So I wrote down a note. I forget where I got it from, so it may or may not be correct. But the note says that uh, the book of Esther takes place in the 60-year gap Hmm, interesting. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I just find it so fascinating. It's not, you know, you'd think it would be clean, like, God says to leave Babylon, and everybody should leave, right? Well, no, it's not clean like that, and it happens in kind of waves, not everybody leaves, but God uses that still, you know? Uh, So, I don't know, so it's fascinating to me. And how it's not, it's not, clean. I don't know how else to put it. It's like you got Mordecai who is high, high up in the, in the government and is working for the man. You know, I'm sure they didn't really like the Persian Empire. Uh, it wasn't good. Uh, and then he said, and then, you know, his, whatever she would have been, niece or something, cousin-ish, I guess, uh, you know, is going to be this potentially just going to be a concubine for the rest of her life, you know? Like, what good is that? But God uses that somehow, you know? So, I don't know. You just see this pattern, which I love because, because it's real, of God using messed up situations and messed up people to still work out his plan because, uh, because he's God and he's full of mercy and grace. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd wipe everything out and he couldn't use anything, you know? Um, so I just love that about the scripture because to me it gives hope. It's not, it's not pie in the sky stuff. It's not unattainable. It's, you know, if you set your heart right and you do your very best and you work hard and you trust God and have faith, he, apart from you, can redeem you and cleanse you and still use you in your imperfect state, you know for his glory. I just think that's, that's the salvation story of, of the whole Bible. It's a beautiful thing, and it's, 
that's the message that I think needs to get out there more instead of, and there's no picture, thankfully, you know, there's Jesus with his little halo thing, and he's doing some weird hand thing, and he's feeding, you know, that's a bunch of just junk, you know, I hate this like painted blonde haired image of Jesus, you know, where, uh, and it gets made fun of, you know, rightly so, because that's not the Bible, you know, it's real. You know, Yeshua, I think, would have been an intimidating figure and, and, and compassionate at the same time, obviously, but, I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent, but anyway. So, back to our story. Uh, chapter 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai ran his clothes and he put sackcloth with ashes and went into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate. For none might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree made, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai, and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther from Hatash, one of the king's chamberlains, who... Uh, whom he had appointed to attend unto her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hattach went forth to Mordecai under the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened unto him, and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the, to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. He also gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and declare unto her, uh, it unto her to charge her that she should go in unto the king and make supplication unto him and to make request before him for the people. And Hattach came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spake unto Hattach and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of the king's province do know that whatsoever, whether man or women, shall come unto the king unto this inner court who is not called, there is one law of the, him of his to put him to death, except to such whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called unto the king's house these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall the enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. And thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. <laughs> what do you do with that? It's like, okay. <laughs> he basically says, look, you either do this or God's going to do it from somewhere, save us from somewhere else, and you're going down. You know, it's like, it's not like now, you know, uh, it's not PC encouragement of trying to like, you know, stroke her ego a little bit to encourage her. You know, it's like, listen, buddy. So I think that's funny. Not funny, but you know what I mean. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night, day, night or day. And I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Oh man, it's getting intense. So, you know, he's she's gonna have she's gonna try to go in and and uh, you know why I don't know why she hadn't been in in thirty days. We're not really told. Um, you know, it was the seventh year of his reign uh, when 
Esther when it, you know, became the queen, and then it was to the 12th. So it's been, it's been a number of years now, five years, that she's been queen. So maybe the honeymoon period had worn off, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll read five, and then we'll see where we're at here. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on a royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. So she doesn't die. He lets her in. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given unto thee to half the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of the wine, What's thy position? And it, petition, and it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My t petition and my request is, If I found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king hath said. Then went Haman forth that day, joyful and with glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sat and called for his friends and Zeresh, his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherewith the king had promoted him and how he advanced above the princes and the servants of the king. Haman said moreover, Yea, Esther, the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had uh, prepared but myself. And tomorrow I'm invited unto her also with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeresh's wife and all the friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and let tomorrow speak thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. Dun, dun, dun. So I don't know, maybe... Maybe we'll stop there. Well, how are you guys feeling? Want to keep reading? Huh? Keep reading? Keep reading? All right. We'll keep reading. Um, we're just getting to the good part. It's like to be continued. When they break up the Star Trek episode. No! You have to wait till next week. <laughs> All right. Chapter 6. On that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles that were to, that, uh, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of uh, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on King Asherus. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There's nothing done for him. And the king said, Who's in the court? Now Haman was come unto the outward court, of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that had been prepared for him. And the king's servants said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman come in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? 
And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought from the king that the, which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let his apparel and his horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that may, they may array the man withal whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste! Take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do so even to Mordecai the Jew, that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. <laughs> then to come on the apparel and the horse, and arrayed Mordecai, brought him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house, mourning, having his head covered. <laughs> so Haman told his uh, Zeresh's wife of all and all his friends, everything that had befallen him. Then said um, his wise men and Zeresh his wife unto him, If Mordecai be the seed of the Jews before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him. Interesting. Uh, thou shalt surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him, came the ting- king's chamberlains and hastened to bring Haman unto the banquet, banquet that Esther had prepared. So all this like takes place in like really tight time frame uh, uh, right between the two banquets. And, you know, so it's just a quite emotional roller coaster for uh, Haman here. <laughs> I find it interesting that his, his friends tell him, oh man, if, if he's the seed of the Jews, you're going to fall. So pretty interesting. So the king and Haman come to the banquet with Esther the king. And the king said again to Esther on the second day of the banquet of wine, What's thy petition to Queen Esther? And it shall be granted to thee. And what's thy request? It shall be performed even to half the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed and to be slain and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue. Altogether, the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then King Asherus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst pursue in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine, in his wrath went into the palace garden. So he's whipping mad. So before he does something bad, he takes off. And Haman stood up to make request of his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was an evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden unto the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed where Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Habernath, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good of the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. When his, when, uh, then was the king's wrath pacified. Ha <laughs> ha! Tables are turned. <laughs> and on that day did the king Asherus give the house of Haman, the Jews, enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the queen, king, for Esther had told him, or had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. 
and Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. So now Mordecai has the highest position in the kingdom. And Esther spake yet again to the king, and fell down at his feet, and besought him with tears to put away the mischief Haman the Agite, and his device which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out his golden scepter towards Esther, and she arose and stood before the king, and said, If it please the king, if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seemeth right before the king, and if I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written... Uh, to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamanath, the Agathite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king Asherah said unto Esther, uh, the queen, and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hung upon the gallows. Behold, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name, and seal with the king's ring, may no man reverse. Then were the king's scribe called at the time in the third month, that is the month of Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof, as it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews, and to the lieutenants, and the deputies, and the rulers in the province, which are from India unto Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty and seven province, unto every province, according to the writing thereof, unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing, and according to their language. And he wrote to King Asher's name, and sealed it, uh, with the king's ring and letters, and sent letters by post on horseback, riders, mules, camels, and young dormitories, wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all the province of King Asherah, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. And the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon the mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Sushan the palace. And Mordecai went out in the presence of the king in royal apparel of gold, blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad, and the Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his degree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became uh, became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. <laughs> so you got these people like, oh yeah, I'm a Jew. <laughs> So it all gets reversed. So the commandment to destroy the Jews doesn't get reversed, but he sends out another commandment that says, all right, you guys rise up and fight back, basically. If anybody's going to give you a hard time, you can wipe them out and take this. So he basically sends out the same commandment for the Jews to do as we're going to be done unto them. So, All right, we're, we only got two more chapters. Let's power through here. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them, the Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the province of the king, Ashras, to lay hands on such as sought their hurt, and no man could withstand them for the fear 
of them fell upon all people. And the rulers of the province and the lieutenants, the deputies, the officers of the king helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan, the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. And Pershananatha and Dalphon and Asaphtha and a bunch of other names. Ten, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they. But on the spoil laid they not their hand. On that day, the number of those that were slain in Shushan, the palace, was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed five hundred men in Shushan the palace, and the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's province? Now what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request further? And it shall be done. Then said Esther, If it please the king, let it be granted that the Jews that are in Shushan to do tomorrow according unto this day's decree, and to let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king's commandment, uh, the king commanded it to be done so, and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. The Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day also of the month Adar, and slew, slew three hundred men at Shushan, but on the prey they laid not their hands. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, and had rest from their enemies, and slew of their foes seventy and five thousand, a whole bunch of people, but they laid not their hands on the prey. And on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar, on the fourteenth day of the same, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews that were at Shushan assembled together on the thirteenth day thereof, and on the fourteenth thereof, and on the fifteenth day of the same, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in unwalled towns made the fourteenth day of the month of Adar a day of gladness and feasting, and a good day, and of sending portions one to another. So there you go. If you want a holiday to send gifts to people, this is your day to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, 20. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Asherus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies and the month that was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning unto a good day, and that they should make them days of feasting and joy, and sending portions to one another, and gifts to the poor. 23. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun, and as Mordecai had written to them, because Haman the son of Hamadatha, the Agite, the enemy of the Jews had devised against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast pur, that is, the lot, to consume them, to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore they call these days Purim, after the name Pur. Therefore all the words of this letter, and of that which they had seen, concerning this matter and that which had come unto them. And the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year. And that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city. And that these days of Purim should not fail among the Jews uh, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. 
Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihal, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews into 127 provinces of the kingdom of Asherus with words of peace and truth to confirm the days of Purim and their times appointed, according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of their fastings and their cry. And the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim as it was written in the book. Chapter 10. And the king Asherus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea, and all the acts of his power and his might and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the king of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king Asherus, and great among the Jews, and then accepted the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. The end. It's a good book. Fun, so, a lot to read, but um, I think worthwhile, something uh, that's good to do, something that's that we should remember. And... Um, you know, I guess, I don't know if there's a lesson in, in this that, you know, it's <clears throat> even, I guess, in spite of all our, you know, living in the exile with all of our faults and problems and the chaos around us and the issues that surround us and the great decisions that we have to try to sort through and sift through, you know, you, you, we somehow have to stay true to who we are as followers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we, we don't back down from that. And we stand firm on that, whether God delivers or not. Um, and uh, so that we uphold the name and honor and glory of our God. So uh, they did that, and uh, God blessed um, and, and save them and use them in their unique position to preserve his people wherever they were scattered. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you again for this day, for this book of Esther uh, that you have uh, preserved and kept it for us to learn and uh, to tell us the story of uh, your people and how you preserve them and uh, that, that it's a lesson to us and how to live and serve you, God. And um, that even now in this current exile, you preserve and protect us. And one day will be deliverance. And just pray that that will be sooner than later. And uh, I just thank you for, for your word. And again, this time to gather. Uh, give us a good week, a good rest of our day of rest. And uh, thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. I pray. Amen. Hey. Mighty warriors arise